Good afternoon and welcome to the Inaugural Alliance podcast. Um, this is the first of an ongoing series brought to you by Alliance, um, your LGBT uh, plus uh, network within Arthur Cox. And um, we're going to be discussing various topics LGBT plus related. Um, today we're going to be discussing Belong To and its work, and particularly a report produced and released last year, the LGBTI plus life and lockdown. Um, I say we, um, I'm Keith Donaldson, I'm a committee member with Alliance, and I'm pleased to be moderating this conversation. And I'm very pleased to be joined by two members of Belong To, Matt Kennedy and Kate Cummins. Um, Kate, how are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. So yeah, I'm feeling good. Excited. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And Matt, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Keith. Thanks so much for having us. I'm really looking forward to this. Thanks very much uh, both for joining. Um, now, as I say, you're both with Belong To, um, both doing different roles there. Um, I suppose, first of all, we should say that Belong To is the national um, organisation supporting lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex young people within Ireland. Um, our colleagues at Arthur Cox will be familiar with Belong To, I believe. We've done many an event with you. Um, our colleagues will be used to the drag bingo that we had over Pride. Um, we've attended the various rainbow balls and we've had various know-how events with you as well. Um, would you each actually introduce yourselves and just the role you actually do at uh, Belong To? Uh, Matt, obviously you are involved in the uh, policy and research work, that's right? Yeah, um, so uh, my name is Matt and my pronouns are he, him and I'm the, the policy and research officer and belong to youth services. So a lot of my role is related to, you know, directly to research, either um, research that we do collaboratively or that we do internally. Um, and then I would do an awful lot of kind of policy reviews um, at kind of local, national and even at um, kind of governmental and, and supporting international policy as well. Um, and I suppose I'd be really linked up into the kind of communications and advocacy um, department and belong to as well. So kind of lobbying government. Um, and supporting various different organisations um, and services to be more inclusive of LGBTI plus young people and to provide for their needs. Um, so yeah, so that's a bit of an overview of what I do. Thanks, Keith. No, thank you. A very big role, of course, and an important one for Belong To, um, as are all, all roles with Belong To. Um, Kate, you obviously work um, with the Youths um, Direct. Yes. What about your role? Um, yeah, so my name's Kate, and my pronouns are she, her. Uh, so I work as part of our youth work department. So I am one of the youth workers here and belong to. Uh, so the work that I would do would be leading our peer support groups. We have a variety of peer support groups throughout the week for LGBTI plus young people, and then also our digital youth work. So I support a lot of young people through email, phone, tech support. Um, and in particular, the youth work team, I would lead on our trans and non-binary work uh, with trans and non-binary young people. So a busy job, um, but yeah, but it's great. I love it. I'm very privileged to work with the young people I work with. So I love it. Thank you. I'm sure both very fulfilling, um, but busy um, roles, um, I would Im imagine. Um, you mentioned, obviously, uh, Kate, that you're very much involved in the digital side, which we'll go on to a bit. Of course, our lives have been very much digital for the last 18 months, um, I would say. Um, in particular, this obviously uh, podcast itself is going to be discussing Belong To's report, which was LGBTI plus life and lockdown. Um, now, we all know that the conversation for the last 18 months has been very much COVID-19, um, but obviously, you know, adjacent to that, um, has been the effect of COVID and lockdown on our LGBTI uh, plus youth. Um, obviously, Belong To commissioned this report and it is obviously a very stark report um, quite early into the pandemic, uh, May 2020. Was there anything in particular that made Belong To actually jump on so early into the pandemic? Were there any kind of like signatures for you? Um, 
I think in part, um, some of the reason why we did immediately kind of move to doing that piece of research was some of what the youth work team were sharing anecdotally that young people were um, finding the pandemic particularly difficult for, you know, lots of different reasons. The, you know, lack of access to community, being, you know, confined and isolated to unsupportive um, home and housing environments. Um, but I suppose a large part of it was we were realizing that, you know, we were adapting as a team and we're attempting to like transform our service provision. Um, and we wanted to, you know, number one, understand like what are young people actually experiencing right now, mainly in terms of their mental health and well-being, and then how can we meet those needs in terms of our service provision. So the survey was kind of um, divided in, into those pieces so it was mental health and well-being and the results from that and then we had kind of an internal um, finding piece as well around service provision what did young people need how would they like to access support um, and what did they think was most meaningful in the context of the pandemic um, and we acted fast I suppose because we saw that you know it needed to kind of be done largely because even as youth populations are surveyed in terms of various different you know social cultural political or you know climate um, or, or health crises um, LGBT young people are more than likely to just kind of be forgotten about um, in that context so um, given that, that that's the population we serve um, we wanted to make sure that their voices were heard. Thanks very much, Matt. And Kate, obviously the, the report highlights that LGBT uh, youth um, are experiencing problems, but they've always experienced you know, significantly higher rates of depression, anxiety, um, suicide, ideation. Um, what issues in particular do our LGBTI youth um, face both prior to the pandemic and over the last 18 months? Yeah, I think we've seen and kind of in the last uh, last few years, our biggest presenting issue in Belong To would be coming out. And I think people do be quite surprised at that. I think in the kind of aftermath of marriage equality, a lot of society would think everything's fine. Like, why is that an issue? People don't have to come out anymore. All kind of comments about, around that. But that would be the biggest thing that impacts our young people that we see Um and for, as a lot of people know, the, with the LGBT community, the continuum of coming out so that it isn't just a once-off experience. So for young people, the anxieties, the stress of having to come out in school, having to come out to every teacher, having to come out to friends, starting a new job and the internalised kind of stress that that can cause, um, I think is, a, is one of our kind of biggest things that LGBT young people particularly face. Um, and then I think kind of over the last like 18 months, we've seen, um, unfortunately, a high rise in transphobia, homophobia and biphobia, whether that's in the media, whether that's in public life. And to know that that then obviously has a huge impact um, on the young people that we work with, which is quite it's, it's quite a unique thing uh, for young people to experience and for, them, for LGBT young people. So and the to kind of work with young people so that that isn't normal like a, a lot of young people we work with would make comments being like oh that happens to me every day in school or like oh like when I walk down the street that's what I'm called or I'm pushed down the stairs and our work a lot of the time is to be like stop like that's not okay you don't have to live like this um and to for them to then acknowledge that these are issues um is yeah is a big part of our work no, that's true. I mean, I suppose a lot of, you know, LGBTI people, including our youth, do actually almost think it's actually normal, you know, to be bullied in such a way, which is, you know, can be quite depressing in itself. You know, obviously you mentioned that, yes, we did have marriage equality in Ireland. You know, there's a lot more visibility, um, certainly in certain um, parts of, you know, our communities. 
perhaps not bi, perhaps not trans. Um, so obviously, you know, just actually, you know, making people aware that those you know, conversations still need to be pushed. Um, you mentioned obviously coming out there and we just actually had nationally, uh, National Coming Out Day not too long ago. Um, that's obviously still, you know, an ongoing conversation that our youth are having and obviously having to deal with, particularly digitally. Is that right, Case? Yeah, it still would be the biggest thing that we would have coming through our digital um, support. So a lot of the time, that would be the first thing young people would reach out with. So um, I need help coming out. How do I come out to my parents? I've come out to my parents. It hasn't gone well. Um, yeah, that, that's how it would present itself. Um, it would very, not regularly, very few times, but still happens that we would have young people come to our office with their bags packed um, because they've been kicked out of their home and are now homeless due to coming out and the consequences of that within the home. So that's how it would come up for us um, and then supporting young people around that and then then kind of looking at the other things that can come up. Um, but it is... Yeah, it's, it's tough and it's been tough, I think, for, for them the last 18 months around that. And also, I think it's been tough for young people in general. Um, I think young, a lot of young people have missed big uh, milestones in their life. And I think the narrative around young people right now is quite negative. Like, it's quite like those young people in COVID, like the super spreaders, when that's they're not looked at in a positive way or in a way that they've really suffered. Um, LGBT young people and young people in general. And I think that to for society to acknowledge that as well um is important yeah, thank you and obviously you mentioned all those different you know i suppose problems so COVID 19 being a lockdown trying to come out sometimes i suppose you can look at them individually but they are all connected in a certain way and it's actually trying to tackle them i mean matt obviously presumably on the policy side in your work you've seen how that um you know you're trying to push that and actually make that better yeah absolutely i suppose a lot of our work off the back of the findings from the life in lockdown and you know we, we kind of repeated the study as well in 2021 as a kind of a comparator um was to look to what advice in terms of policy could we actually make and um to the government um and a lot of that is really informed by our findings um you know so a big one kind of like kate has mentioned like young people really need access to that kind of critical community and support from youth workers so a big recommendation that we had was there needed to be some sort of a prioritizing of reopening in-person youth supports um and providing you know vital funds um to you know organizations like ourselves um you know youth work ireland and Feroiga, other organizations that provide critical support um for young people but also to support the workers like kate because you know they're already listening to an awful lot of very heavy things like kate has just mentioned um and they're you know Thankfully, during COVID, like the government provided like critical kind of once off funding to support, you know, workers who were supporting young people around kind of identity based trauma. Um, but that, you know, our, a big kind of ask of us in a policy in a funding context was, you know, that needs to be maintained, um, you know, throughout COVID because like we're not out the end of this yet. Um, but kind of in a more long term capacity as well, because that was always something that youth workers like Kate you know worked with it was just that finally the you know the extremity of that was being recognized by the government and in a policy context um yeah so that's kind of a key ask of ours based on those findings was the reliance i suppose that young people have on workers like kate and our team 
Thanks very much, Matt. And obviously, you know, the report, uh, you know, underscores, you know, a lot of the work to do in a lot of the problems that our LGBTIA youth face. Um, the figures in the report are stark. So 93% of our young people are struggling with anxiety, stress or depression, 45% struggling with self-harm, 48% with bad or very bad mental health, and 60% experiencing loneliness. They're just some other figures. Um, were those figures surprising to either of you? Uh, Kate? No, uh, not from a frontline perspective. While they weren't surprising, they were upsetting. Um, and I think it was, especially the 93%, um, oh, I, I think it was like anxiety, stress or depression. Like that's huge. And I think it, I think because when you're the day-to-day work, you can get caught up in the day-to-day work. You just do it. Um, and sometimes you don't really sit and think about it. And I think it really, from a belong to perspective, really put our feet on the ground. I'm like, okay, this is this is tough to see and it's also from for the frontline team like that that we're putting faces to that so that's a statistic but we have those stories we carry those stories but it also then and that's why policy and research like Matt does is so important because we can talk about this in the office all day long but until you see that piece of research or until the lives and lockdown piece is done a lot of other people don't see that a lot of other people might not understand that so seeing that figure while it was upsetting and is stark, it is, it's needed and it is the lived reality of young people. Uh, so it is it kind of, yeah, it helps us then to do the work and it gives kind of external society and orgs like yourself sees it um, and really kind of black and white that this is what's happening. So even though it's upsetting, there is positives to it because, like, okay, we have this now, this is really good. We can now work to, to look at this and support young people. No, agreed. Um, and as you say, there are obviously stories behind those statistics mm. as well, but we do need those statistics um, to begin with. That's very important. And, and Matt, were they surprising, obviously, from uh, your point of view, from the research side as well? I think, you know, in part from listening to the youth work team and, you know, how they were supporting young people when the pandemic had begun. No, like similarly to Kate, like they weren't necessarily surprising, but they were kind of difficult to sit with, um, particularly when I was, you know, going through, um, you know, the, the what young people had had shared in terms of the statistics and the research. Um, I suppose what was important for us as well is that like we already knew from previous pieces of research like LGBT Ireland that was conducted in 2016 that, you know, young people are, you know, twice more likely to self-harm and three times more likely to experience suicide ideation and four times more likely to experience stress anxiety or depression so with with that knowledge in mind that was something that we took to um the life and lockdown research you know knowing that that is the experience of lgbti plus young people in you know a society that's not in in a health crisis so then you place young people already in who have those you know predisposition to you know mental health um, and well-being difficulties in in you know an environment like the pandemic naturally you know their experiences is going to worsen um and it was about like communicating that and raising awareness through research thanks very much um kate you uh, you mentioned earlier obviously having to move to the digital side and actually developing that over the last 18 months um what steps did you actually take to you know you know build that kind of digital platform so you could access and help um, or use access uh, your service yeah so like belong to like we've been offering kind of youth work support i think almost for two decades now so a long time but literally zero support in online um youth work and when i actually look back now like you, you kind of laugh like you're like we were so lost we were like what is this as everyone wants we were like what is zoom 
had to learn. Um, so we, so thankfully, we have a very, very strong connection with the Proud Trust in the UK, and they're um, an LGBT organisation um, based in the UK, and they've had years of this. So they offered us training, frameworks, and really kind of equipped us with this knowledge. Um, and then in April uh, 2020, we opened our groups um, for young people, uh, which was a big, big change. It was, and as a youth worker, it was very odd to sit at a computer, to not have those informal chats with young people. But I think young people are extremely resilient. Like a lot of the time they live their lives online, which was really a positive. Um, it, so yeah, that's kind of the steps we took. We consulted with young people, we consulted with external orgs. Um, and we also, we did a lot of outreach uh, with young people that didn't engage. Um, so whether that be phone calls, whether that be one-to-one and kind of figuring out kind of what what we can do to improve um, in all kind of learning we do, all adaptations we do, the young people's voices are at the heart of it. They're at the core of all of our work. So when there's anything that needs to change, we're like, right, the number one people we have to ask is young people. What do they want? What do they need? And they tell us straight up what they want, <laughs> uh, which is wonderful. But yeah, so they were they were the steps. Um, and it's been it's been going really, really well. Our groups are still online. Um, and yeah, it was just just about adapting I think that showed the resilience of belong to as a whole like the whole organization had to adapt um, and and we did um, and it was and it was wonderful to keep our service open for the young people that needed it thank you and much needed and thanks very much for doing that as well and Matt from your side and obviously you would have had to adapt digitally as well Mm, absolutely I suppose in the context of what like my own role I suppose from a a policy um, point of view and an advocacy point of view is maybe a little bit easier because you know we weren't trying to reach young people but I suppose we were rethinking then how could we engage uh, other organizations service providers and politicians um, to kind of to lobby them um, and to make them aware of the experience of LGBTI plus young people their needs and our needs as an organization and supporting them um, so I suppose a lot of it was really around this particular piece of research you know having launch events providing you know posting it out to politicians you know we would have you know one-to-one sessions as as well like taking them through the research um, and also I suppose a big thing that we would have invested in during kind of the pandemic was kind of providing critical training then to service providers um, you know across our organization and online um, so making kind of an LGBT 101 and then doing bespoke training for various different service providers um, kind of making them aware of the different nuances that young people uh, would would have in terms of their needs um, as a result of the pandemic. Thanks very much. I mean, Arthur Cox and ourselves, we took advantage of a couple of your workplace courses around inclusivity. So we were very grateful to have those. So thanks very much for the, the great work you've been doing. Um, and Kate, you um, touched on the point that you went out to our LGBTI plus use. Um, the report is actually quite clear that you did go out to the whole of Ireland and that the responses were across from the, um, the whole of Ireland as well. Um, what I suppose, was that interesting to you? Are you used to actually having such a, a wider net or was that surprising the responses you got back? Um, no, I wasn't surprised. Um, so in Belong to, we would support um, the National Network um, and the National Network is a group of youth workers from across Ireland um, who support LGBTI plus young people. So from working with the National Network, no, I wasn't surprised uh, because of the amazing work they do. And we 
we would support them um, to offer a space to reflect on the work. So we will be in partnership with Youth Garden, Frog, Across Care, and kind of have kind of forums where we'd meet and we would support each other really. And it's a really impactful space to be in, but being in that space and hearing the work that happens on a national level, um, no, I wasn't surprised. It was it was great to get um because a lot of the time and with services it's very Dublin focused like and I think sometimes there's such a narrow view that stuff happens outside of Dublin and we would be very strong with that with the young people that would reach out to us because we are the national network but say if a young person reached out from Cork I would refer them to the youth service in Cork um, I would be like this is the amazing service in Cork or Donegal or Waterford you need to reach out to them because they're doing wonderful work and that would be a lot of what our role would be at a national level would be offering training um, but then referrals um, to the services close to them because we would have young people for years who would have travelled from Donegal from Wexford to like would travel maybe two three hours for a one hour group um, and that doesn't need to happen anymore which is so wonderful and that they can be part of their own community um, and not have that travel um, with us so we're very firm on the amazing support at a national level um, that we that we just we support and we're just part of um, so we, we would work in Dublin but the, the rest of the country are doing a wonderful job as well Thanks and it is great to hear you're quite right sometimes things can be very city centric maybe Dublin centric or elsewhere and it's great to hear that interconnectedness and obviously the signposting elsewhere so we are you know looking after our LGBTI youth within their communities um, and Matt I mean what else can we do to ensure that we continue to do that and what is belong to doing to ensure that we're reaching our LGBTI plus youth um, all the time across the country wherever they are. Mm. I think I think part of it is having critical conversations with kind of friends, you know, colleagues and family, um, you know, just, you know, raising awareness, you know, even outside of the context of pride, that it's a conversation that's constantly happening um, and to kind of support our work. So kind of engage in, in our campaigns that are happening. Like currently we have, you know, Better Out Than In, which is a mental health campaign for LGBT young people, encouraging them to reach out for support if they are struggling with their mental health. And that, you know, that that's all island as well. Like that's, it's online purposely so it can reach as many LGBT young people um, and people who, who care about them as possible. Um, our Stand Up Awareness Week as well is, you know, uh, our uh, anti-LGBTI plus bullying week we try and get as many schools involved as possible um our social media for that you know as kate had kind of mentioned is accessible as possible to you know people all over ireland um and really that is this place where we promote our work as kind of in belong to in, in the dublin groups um and and the organization but also all of the fantastic work that's being done you know in the national network and our kind of allied organizations like you know youth work ireland for oiga cross care like kate mentioned Thanks very much, Matt. Um, both of you have both mentioned the previous surveys that belong to and other organisations have carried out in 2016, uh, 2018's Belong to Report and these two, most two recent reports in 2020 and 2021. Um, I'm sure they've each highlighted the importance of peer support and social groups to our LGBTI plus youths. Um, with those in-person events have, having been on pause for much of 2020 and 2021, uh, Kate, what challenges have our LGBTI youths particularly pointed out to you um, regarding not having those on the ground in face meetings? Yeah, the I think isolation uh, was was a big challenge. Um, that was the that was the most important part of our peer support group. And we always say that we're like, as youth workers, as belong to, we can give all the advice in the world, but nothing beats that peer-to-peer -peer advice that even just being around other young people um, who are LGBTI plus. 
So I think definitely isolation and also there was a massive barrier for a lot of young people who couldn't uh, access our groups because they weren't out at home. So it wasn't safe for them to log on to an online group. Uh, one positive of our in-person groups and in the location when we're in Dublin City Centre is a lot of the time young people could just say, I'm going into town with my friends or I'm going to the shop. Um, and they don't, there's no questions. But now that they, they didn't feel safe, particularly our under 18s, Young people, we, we noticed that a lot, like we pre-COVID, the figures, I don't the, I don't know certain, but 30 plus we were having um, every Sunday in our youth groups. And when we went online, that dropped to maybe five, um, four or five. And when we asked young people, they were like, I'm not safe and I, I can't log on right now, I'm not out at home. So that was that was the biggest challenge. Um, and then in turn, a lot of young people having to kind of like kind of come back into the closet almost being at home so uh, particularly trans and non-binary young people not being able to express their gender identity and then the challenges with that um so yeah so there was a lot of challenges um, and even still some young people are still like i'm not logging online um and then sometimes it was zoom fatigue they were like hey i don't want to do that like i cannot think of anything worse and i was like yeah, that's okay safe um it's all right to just have a break they were going from school and then coming straight into a youth group and they're like i I can't engage in this so so yeah so there was there was a lot of challenges um, and it was it was very difficult for a lot of young people thanks I mean I, I suppose one of the things is moving to a digital side where there's a lot of online groups you, you sometimes might think that that's great it means that a lot more people can get involved but there is that consideration about you know am I safe to get you know actually access at home if you're not actually out at home are you able to actually express your true self even actually the whole technology aspect of it, you know, not everybody has that, you know, that kind of access um, to online life. Um, but it's great to hear, obviously, that you have been adapting to those challenges and helping our LGBTI youth. Um, I mean, Matt, many people have been spending much more of their lives online over the last 18 months. Um, as we just said, as a double-edged sword. Um, on the one hand, there might be people accessing um I suppose, support groups that they may not have been able to in the past. But obviously we hear problems around things like grooming and bullying online and obviously just not being able to be their true selves, you know, in their home, actually online. Um, how do you help youths navigate that? So I suppose online safety, safety is a really big part of um, the work that we do as an organisation. Um, like in 2016, we created a guide with Facebook that was End Bullying, Be Kind Online. Um, that's still something that we rely on very often that we share with young people. Um, and I suppose... It provides them with support as to how to kind of prevent cyberbullying, but then also kind of how to safeguard and kind of mind themselves and what to do if they are um, victims of cyberbullying, like LGBT cyberbullying online. Um, you know, in terms of that, the kind of piece of young people not being able to engage in youth groups, potentially because they're not out at home, you know, our youth work team and various other services throughout the country do offer, you know, phone, text and email support, which is a critical resource for LGBT young people. Um, in terms of kind of policy and advocacy as well, a lot of my role uh, and the role of, of other people on my team would be, you know, um, collaborating with social media platforms um, and supporting them in terms of their policy, but also their kind of reporting mechanisms in terms of online hate speech um, or cyberbullying towards the LGBT community so that they can kind of respond effectively and ensure that, you know, that that isn't really on the platform, um, which has been, you know, really, we've had fantastic engagement from them. 
Um, and then also like we're very engaged as an organization in supporting the online safety bill um, and the review to the incitement of hatred act and we kind of have a critical eye i suppose to making sure that online instances of hate speech towards lgbti plus people are really key points within those two um i suppose legislative mechanisms for for protecting lgbt young people online that's great. I mean, obviously, they're important conversations to have, and it's great, obviously, that you're at the forefront of that. Um, so thanks again for that. Um, we've discussed, obviously, uh, moving to the digital side over the last 18 months, um, but obviously, Belong to services generally include things, support around uh, mental and sexual health and drug and alcohol support. Um, did you see any increase or decrease in the kinds of services that um, our youth people were actually um, accessing over the last 18 months compared to prior to the pandemic? Kate. Yeah, I, I'd see an increase in all levels of our work. Um, in 2020, our service, our frontline service increased by 113% um, compared to 2019, um, which was huge, huge figure. Um, so I, yeah, I do think there's a massive increase. I think sometimes there can be a difficulty um, with young people coming forward with mental health supports because a lot of young people might think they're not bad enough or might fear that like oh someone's worse off than me so I'm fine I don't need I don't need to, to do that um, and we would do a lot of in our comms and advocacy team like with our better out than in campaign and kind of trying to support help seeking behavior uh, within young people to be like it's okay to not be okay or you don't have to feel this way like your life can be different than it is now you don't have to suffer in silence so we would do a lot of work with young people around that a big increase um in the last year has been a parent and guardian uh, support that's reached out so a lot of parents are now reaching out and um, parents guardians carers um for advice for support which is wonderful it's really really great news to see it's a credit to our comms and advocacy and fundraising team and um, that more parents know uh, about belong to and are then reaching out and i always say to young people that if a parent reaches out to me that they are trying their best and they are wonderful um, regardless of what they're struggling with that they want to be there for you and they're trying their best to do that so my heart warms when I see a parent reaching out and uh, so we try our best to support them and then refer them to other services as well um, as best we can so that's a big increase which is wonderful to see. It is. I mean, we're always talk, obviously, it's important to obviously help our LGBTI plus youth. Um, I know that's what Belong To is there for, but actually helping the carers and their support networks as well to better support LGBTI youth as well. Um, this Sunday marks World Mental Health Day. Um, obviously an important day for everyone, but especially our LGBTI plus youth. Um, Matt, what policy actions do you hope to see in order to help tackle the high level of mental health issues, which has only worsened as a result of the, um, the last 18 months and the pandemic and around... Um, World Mental Health Day. <laughs> I have a list, Keith. <laughs> We've got time for you. Yeah. Well, I I think like I would really like I would love you know if people have a um a really interest in kind of getting behind the work that we do. All of our research always comes with a set of recommendations that's informed by what young people have set, shared with us. Some of the key ones that I just kind of want to make people aware of is that you know the the Life and Lockdown Research Boat reports really highlighted, particularly for trans and non-binary young people, that their lack of access to gender affirming healthcare ha was having devastating effects on their mental health. So we have a you know a consistent call um, on on the government and the HSE that there needs to be an interim gender identity service for trans and non-binary people under the age 
age of 18 and there has to be something to tackle the existing waiting lists for over 18s um, because it's just really damaging the community and their mental health and well-being. Um, like Kate mentioned, we think you know it's really important to con consistently provide support for parents and guardians so that they can access you know online resources and information so that they can understand you know the LGBT young people that, that are in their life um, and the supports that they need. Um, I suppose a, a key thing that you would kind of mention, Keith, in terms of drug and alcohol services and sexual health services um, is, you know, we've now started to see a reopening of sexual health clinics. Um, but I think this really needs to be prioritised and maintained. Um, and there needs to be kind of safeguards put in place that if we do enter into some, you know, another form of a health crisis um, globally, that they those vital resources to, you know, various different communities, but particularly the LGBT community, they can't suffer and they can't be closed. Um, in addition as well, I suppose something that comes to mind is the the 2001 Mental Health Act precludes LGBTI plus, or young people actually, any young person under the age of 18 from accessing parental, um, accessing mental health services without parental consent. Um, so we see that as a real barrier to LGBT young people in particular in accessing mental health support um, because often if they're seeking support, they won't have the, you know, the opportunity maybe to communicate that to parents who might not be um, accepting of their identity, particularly if they're seeking support because they are LGBT. Um, so we it, that really needs to be reviewed it's under review but you know for people to be knowledgeable about that particular barrier that faces LGBT young people and young people more broadly um, yeah so I think those are some of the key ones but there's more definitely at the end of our research reports and um, they can all be found on our on our website under um, the research tab I mean, obviously, as I said, it's a very long list and one obviously that you're tackling and some glaring omissions there, as you say, in not allowing our LGBTI youth under 18 to access, uh, access mental health uh, services and one that we really need to uh, tackle. Um, as we said, Kate, it is World uh, Mental Health Day this Sunday. How important is it that we continue to um, mark that day to support our LGBTI plus youth? Oh, so important um, and I think marking it shows to young people um, that you're there for them and that this is this is okay um, I think having open conversations about the day um, and that to be the big message that like you deserve to be healthy and happy that a society where LGBT young people are at their fullest is a better society um, and I think that that is yeah, huge, especially the last 18 months. I think that's really shown, shone a light on mental health and the difficulties that people have with their mental health um, and how important it is to acknowledge that. And I think that is a positive of the last year as well, that is being acknowledged. Um, and, and also to mark the day, 100%, echoing completely what Matt says, um, to look at services, to include, to improve services, to lower waiting lists um, is the biggest thing that I would say needs to show uh, to, with marking the day. Thanks very much. And, and Matt, as we come out of lockdown, uh, what does Belong to Hope to take from the last 18 months? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal something that Kate said earlier, which I think is, I'm sorry, that I think is really apt. Um, I think like, I think the last 18 months really have demonstrated an awful lot of resilience, you know, from a number of different communities, particularly marginalised communities who I think just have in part been forgotten um, in a lot of maybe, you know, considerations of, of people's needs particularly during the pandemic. So I think that in, in part, like while we are seeing really stark findings in terms of the mental health and well-being of LGBT young people, it does demonstrate that they're an incredibly, you know, resilient cohort of youth um, that have the capacity to kind of withstand, you know, incredible hardship and still find ways to, you know, have 
incredibly you know meaningful um and and you know beautiful ways of existing in the world that i think you know teach everyone whether you're part of the community or not something about yourself um and something about kind of you know living freely and, and authentically which I, I think has been incredible to witness yeah very much so i mean kate you mentioned some of the positives already around learning the resilience um around our lgbti plus use moving to digital services and reaching out to so many people and learning those obviously stark figures um what are the positives do you think they've been over the last 18 months that we can take forwards I think the big positives we can take forward is looking at well-being and looking at staff's well-being, looking at young people's well-being, and that to be at the forefront of our work. Um, I think that's a, that's a big, big positive, um, as particularly with frontline services, particularly with teachers, nurses, youth workers, that their well-being is vital to step in to the services that are needed when there's a crisis. Um, and I think that that's a huge huge positive um and a huge positive to to see that these services are needed that it that the front line um hands on the ground um is needed which is which is wonderful so yeah i think the acknowledgement of like that resilience and well-being um is is huge yeah very true. I mean, Matt, what can we all do to support our LGBTI plus youth? What can people at Arthur Cox who are listening and the rest of us do to support you in your work? I think, you know, sharing kind of the, the, the campaigns that we've gone, got going on, like on our social media, you know, having conversations with friends and colleagues and family, like open, frank, honest conversations about the reality of, you know, being LGBT, whether that's being an LGBT adult or, or a young person, um, you know, where possible, you know, donating to organizations like ourselves, other LGBT organizations in the sector um, and, you know, other kind of groups throughout the country um, in the national network, um, you know, because that's what we need kind of to maintain this work and to provide, you know, the critical support that, that Kate and the youth work team do and other youth work throughout the country. Thank you. And Kate, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, I think what what we can all do is listen to young people. Um, I think they're a group that people do not like to listen to. Um, people group them together and they're like, young people, those young people, um, I think listen to young people. They, they know themselves the best. They know about their lives the best. Um, listen to them, listen to their opinions, listen to their thoughts, trust them, trust their views. Um, and I also think calling calling things out when you see them. So calling out transphobia, calling out homophobia, calling out biphobia, and being that strong ally is can be life changing um, to a young person to go be like okay like they they understand um, and in day to day lives um, in personal life and professional life um, just call it out um, which is which can be very difficult but I think that's something that that, um, that allies can practice um, and for all of us to practice that has massive impacts on LGBT young people's lives. Agree. Thanks both. And definitely right on the listening, you know, listening to our LGBTI plus youth and actually just keeping the conversation going. So we are pushing forwards. Uh, that's great to hear. Um, as I've said, it is World Mental Health Day um, this Sunday. Um, are you doing anything in particular yourselves to um, obviously back that in your personal lives? Uh, Matt, what about yourself? 
Um, I'd probably just share things on social media. I love putting uh, various different things that belong to are doing on our social media. Um, so we'll probably keep pushing out like the Better Out Than In campaign. Um, and we, we have a lot of like fantastic videos from young people as well talking about kind of like resilience and it's like that peer-to-peer piece where, you know, maybe slightly older or just LGBTI plus young people who are in a different place in terms of their identities can kind of impart a bit of knowledge and, um, you know, affirmation to people who maybe aren't out yet or, or younger people. Um, and I think it's just, uh, you know, spreading positivity around that because you know a lots of things to do with lgbti plus identities can be quite um difficult to hear but i think there's also space to kind of consistently celebrate how you know wonderful it is to be an lgbt person as well it's true okay what about you for this sunday um okay when you first said that i was like oh staying in bed or watching tv <laughs> like i'm off the clock <laughs> but but no um having open conversations like that um talking to family about it being like oh do you know what day it is and they might be like why are you talking about that and I'm like well did you know our report um so yeah so having like that having open conversations obviously 100% love sharing stuff on social media um and just just chatting to people about it seeing if young if young people and people in your lives are okay I think that's a big thing you can do just check in to be like are you okay um and when we ask how people are actually wait for an answer um I'm a devil for doing that being like how are you grand yeah cool next um, well actually wait and listen um, and I think and maybe do a bit of yoga go for a walk some journaling all of our classic self-care things we harbor on about but um, but yeah have a nice relaxing day for our mental health <laughs> because that rest is important and I hope Absolutely. you do get that lie in thank you and listen exactly to a wonderful so. podcast like this one you know yourselves <laughs> <laughs> exactly so big up there thank you very much for that um, no I mean if anyone obviously I, I would suggest that if you can log on to belong to's uh, website it's www.belongto.org and you can read the lgbti plus life in lockdown report there and i would you know heartily recommend that you do so and see how you can get behind a belong to and see how you can support belong to's really important work Um, and arthur cox we have worked with belong to for a number of years we've had our social events but we've also had our no to events so if there's anything you'd like to be involved in or like to know more about please do reach out to the alliance committee and also to belong to themselves so they do a lot of important work and again kate matt thanks very much for your contributions here it's been a pleasure and thanks very much for your time thank you keith it was wonderful thank you brilliant thanks so much keith that was fantastic really enjoyed that thank you likewise and best wishes to everyone for world mental health day um, on sunday 